Today on The Balanced Word from Pastor Dave Rolfe. You need to understand that when you are rejected by something that gave you a sense of belonging, as painful as that is, it's also a great rescue. Because now you are being taken away from something that you trusted, but they weren't worthy of your trust. See, like I've known people who their spouse just, boom, turned on them and divorced them. And they're like, how, how, how could they do this? And I'll go, well, I'll tell you one thing. If that was what their heart was, it's good that you know that they aren't someone that you belong with. You're actually being rescued. Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, you are worshipped and it's all to hear today. It's one of the most painful experiences of life. You're rejected in a place where you feel you should belong. That happens all the time in the family, workplace, and even in the church. So today on The Balanced Word, Pastor Dave Roth provides a balanced perspective as we pay a visit to 1 Samuel 29. By the end of our time together, you'll see why it's not always such a bad thing. We've been going through the book of 1 Samuel, and I've really enjoyed taking a fresh look at this book. Um, it started out more as the story of Samuel, and then it became about King Saul, the first king of Israel. And then the last third or so of the book is a lot about a young David. David, who was anointed as the king of Israel, and yet he was living much of his life on the run. And David, throughout his life, you see that he was rejected constantly. In all of those relationships where you would hope to find belonging, David found rejection in his family at home. He was scorned because as the younger brother, he was just out taking care of sheep, doing the job of a servant. When Samuel came and said he wanted to meet you know, Jesse's kids, David wasn't even counted or invited. And then when he asked about him, he didn't even name him, just called him the, there's the little guy out in the field. So he grew up with that. But then he had a great moment when he killed the giant Goliath. But at that point, his brothers said, oh, you're on a pride trip. King Saul, who had thought, told him, you can't do this. Then when he did it, he's like, okay, great. And then there was a hit song written about him. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, which I know that David grew to hate that song. Like anybody with a one-hit wonder probably at some point gets sick of hearing that song. But, you know, for him, that song turned Saul, who would become his father-in-law, against him for the rest of his life on the run from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And that's his father-in-law. And then his wife turned on him and lied about him in order to protect her own skin. He's driven away. His best friend, Jonathan, although always loved him and was kind of loyal to him, but Jonathan still preferred to work for his dad than to be out in the wilderness with David. So finally, David's out in the wilderness and he starts being like a Robin Hood, helping little villages and farmers and thinking that that will become the place where he belongs. But 
they turn on him, they disrespect him, they would rat him out to Saul, and he couldn't find a place where he belonged. Well, now as we come to this place, he's finally settled in with the Philistines. So ironic. He killed their champion, Goliath, and now here he is. The only place he feels like he belongs is with the Philistines. And as we've seen the last couple weeks, the Philistines were headed to do war against Israel. And David assured Achan, the Philistine ruler from Gath, I'm all in. I'm with you 100%. But here in chapter 29, you find that finding a place to belong, even with the Philistines, it didn't work. One more time, David experiences rejection. Now, before we jump into the chapter, let's keep in mind, every one of us has a desire to belong somewhere. The word belong, be means to exist. And long is a word, longitude. It refers to the entire distance from start to finish. So belonging means I am in a place that's consistent. There's something I can count on. Here is a constant in my life. And what always disrupts belonging is rejection. And so if we understand that as we read this chapter, then we'll talk about what this might have to do with us. So chapter 29, beginning with verse 1, 1 Samuel. Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. The armies are lined up ready to do battle. They're by the valley of Jezreel. They're by what is referred later as Megiddo, or where the battle of Armageddon will be fought. So they're lined up. And the lords of the Philistines, the Philistines were a large people, and they had various rulers over different areas. So Achan was there in Gath, and he was like the king of Gath or the lord of Gath, and they had all these different guys. So they decided to have a parade so that all of the Philistine rulers could observe the soldiers. And so it says, they passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. They knew it probably might be a little awkward. So he said, you get in line with my guys and we'll be towards the back of the parade. But as they came, I mean, how humiliating. The princes of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? Can you imagine? You feel like you belong. You're a part of this massive army. And you're, here you are on parade down Main Street, and they're like, what are those Jews doing here? Oh, boy. Once again, David could sense this rejection. Um, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days, Achish says, and, and these years, and to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me? Achish sticks up for him and goes, I've been with him for a long time, and I'm telling you, man, he's a good guy. That's pretty gutsy, and I'm sure to David it felt good to be defended. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. You can have him, but don't let him go down 
with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. He'll turn on us. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master? In other words, if he wants to kiss up to Saul, a perfect way to do it would be if he turned on us while we're battling Saul. And, and then in verse 5, again, that, that hit song. Is this not David of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. David's like, that song caused Saul to turn on me. Now, here they're playing oldies, and now it's causing these guys to turn on me as well. So Achish called David, maybe texted him first, but then called him. And he said to him, Shirley, and he goes, quit calling me Shirley. Now, Shirley, as the Lord lives, you've been upright, and you're going out and you're coming in with me in the army is good in my sight. I have no problems with you. For to this day, I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not favor you. Now, there's two things here I want to point out. First of all, when he says, surely as the Lord lives. Remember, this is a Philistine king talking. Notice the word Lord in your Bible is all capital letters, L-O-R-D in capital letters. That lets you know that it's the translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh, which was the personal name for the Hebrew God. So here Achish knows enough about David's religion to refer to Yahweh in this way and as him living. So either Achish has converted or at least he respects David's faith enough that he's trying to talk to him in his own language. I think it's interesting. But after talking about Yahweh, but then it's like, but the problem is the lords of the Philistines, they don't like you. And, you know, so you'd think, okay, but I'm with you. No, sorry, I'm with them. So return now and go in peace that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. You have your Lord... But let's not make these other guys mad. So David, see, I mean, Achish is afraid of his own partners in the government. But that's the way it works. That's the way power always works. So David said to Achish, what have I done? Have you found anything in me as long as I've been with you that I can't go and fight against the enemies of my lord, the king? Kind of sad, that David is now concerned about his lord, the king. And he wonders, why is he not allowed to go fight against your enemies? Achish, that's the way he sees Israel at this point. Then Achish answered and said to David, I know you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us in the battle. They said it, and sorry, it's done deal. Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. Get out of here. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel to war. Now, as we get into chapter 30 next week, Lord willing, we see that when David goes back home, all things weren't well, even at home. But you're seeing a guy who was as honorable as you could expect someone to be under the circumstances, and yet 
All he wants to do is belong, and over and over again, he finds himself rejected. Now, I would caution you not to be too hard on David at this point. Some pastors and some commentators talk about David as if, what's he doing with the Philistines? He's backsliding. That's horrible. He's in sin. He's, you know, this is what happens to you. Well, let me put yourself in his place, which is before you judge anyone, you need to put yourself in their place. Israel has rejected him. The king has. Not only that, here he is with the Philistines who are talking about Yahweh and who are respecting his faith at the very least. What's going on in Israel with Saul? It's a mess. In fact, in, in the Philistines are fighting, but Saul goes to a witch in order to communicate with the dead to get advice for himself. So which culture is more pagan at this point? You can make a case. You know, it's like, it's, I'm just not going to sit in judgment on him. The Bible doesn't say what he was doing was wrong, so I'm just going to leave it at that. This is what happened, but I want to be understanding of this at the same time. So let's zoom back a little bit and talk about rejection because I'm sure that most of us at one time or another had a place where we felt like we belonged and then a message came down that let us know you are being rejected. You actually don't belong the way you thought you did. This happens in a lot of ways. For some people, it has to do with family. If there's a place where you ought to feel like this is where I am long-term, this association defines who I am, it should be family. But many people, their family rejects them. I mean, there are many people who, when they get married, they make this promise, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, the love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. Long, that's where I belong. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's over. Someone leaves you. And sometimes you didn't even see it coming. It's like, whoa, we belong together, you know. Uh, no, we don't. I'm out of here. And how crushing that is. Or when your kids don't want anything to do with you or your siblings or your parents or whoever, people go through all sorts of experiences that cause them to go, the place where I feel the greatest rejection is from my own family. Because family is the place where I, I need the greatest sense of belonging and now my own family makes me feel like I really don't belong here anymore. But there are other things. Sometimes it's your friends. You have a certain group of friends that are like, they're your ride or dies. They're going to be with you forever. But over the years, you kind of go in different directions. It's like, there's somebody who used to be my best friend, but now I don't even think we're friends at all. And that rejection, you know, it throws you off balance. It makes you feel like, whoa, how did this happen? For some people, it's, it revolves around their work. For a lot of people, their job ends up becoming the place where they belong. They feel more at home, in a sense, when they're at work than when they're at home because they spend so much time and effort in their most waking hours serving for a company. But sometimes you get rejected 
by your company. I had a, my next door neighbor when I was growing up worked for Disneyland and he loved Disneyland. He probably loved Disneyland as much as Nate, our worship leader does, and that's a lot. But my neighbor actually helped build Disneyland in Anaheim and he knew Walt Disney and he was so loyal to the company that, I mean, it was nice as a neighbor because he'd get me into Disneyland for free and then when I'd get kicked out for spitting off the Skyway, he would get me back in. <laughs> he ended up, he worked from being a construction guy to where he was the head of operations at Disneyland. But as one of the original employees, they had signed an employment contract that told them after, I think, 30 years, you would vest and you would get a certain pension and you would get stock options from Disneyland. And his whole life, he's just looking forward to that. So when Disney figured out that they had made those deals, when there were like three months left before he would vest, all those guys, except for the people who are personal friends of Walt Disney and family members, all got fired. And it crushed him. I couldn't believe it. The worst thing for him is he still needed a job, and he went and worked at Knott's Berry Farm. And he just he felt like, I mean, kind of the way I feel like I've been cheering for the Dodgers, and now I'm cheering for the Braves. Yeah, it's like... Wow, what happened here? How did this, how did this go? And you know, I'd feel way worse if I was cheering for, you know, who. But you know, it's like, where did this? I thought we were comfortable. I thought I belonged, and now this has been yanked away from me. I saw a story this week that I thought was kind of amusing, but first service, no one laughed at it at all. But I'll try it out on you, and if you think I'm disgusting then I won't use it third service. But I read that in 2005 in South Africa, there was a guy named Marius Els, and he had rescued a baby hippo who was being washed down the river. And he went and got it, and he pulls it to shore, and he raised it, and they bonded together, and he raised that little hippo like it was one of his family. And about six years later, the hippo grabbed him and pulled him into the river and ate him. Okay, at least that's better than nothing. But it's like, you want to feel rejection? <laughs> well, I thought we were, I thought you were like my kid. No, I'm a hungry hippo. You're my meal, you know. But for many of us, life has done that in different ways. Sometimes your church does that to you. Sometimes you're like, Church is the place where we're all, and then all of a sudden, man, your church is burning you. You're feeling stabbed in the back. You're feeling like your church, it's just not, I'm not welcome here anymore. People go through those sorts of things where the sense of belonging gets snatched away from you by whatever kind of rejection is actually happening. And that's what he was going through here. And it had to have been difficult and heartbreaking for him. Nothing else that he did helped him to feel like he belonged, and now he felt like he belonged until he didn't anymore, until it didn't fit with what was going on with the rest of the Philistines. So there are some things that we can learn through this for sure. One of the things I think is that you need to understand that when you are rejected, by something that gave you a sense of belonging, as painful as that is, it's also a great rescue. Because now you are being taken away from something that you trusted, but they weren't worthy of your trust. 
See, like I've known people who their spouse just, boom, turned on them and divorced them. And they're like, how, how, how could they do this? And I'll go, well, I'll tell you one thing. If that was what their heart was, it's good that you know that they aren't someone that you belong with. You're actually being rescued. I have told people after, I, I knew this one gal who, her husband was a, just a real loser. She worked really hard and he didn't. And so then when they divorced, he was hitting her up for all this money, spousal support and everything else. And, and she's like, he's cost me like $60,000 just to get rid of him. And I said, that's a bargain. <laughs> Pay $60,000 to get that guy out of your life? To find out that I don't really belong there? Whatever your life costs you to extract yourself from a relationship whereby you in some delusional way thought it was something that it isn't, Whatever it costs you, that's called tuition. That's something that you pay to learn what you needed to know. So, oh, you lose friends. Okay. Wouldn't you rather know than not? Wouldn't you rather you know, understand what that is so that you can move on with your life? How far do you want to go with the Philistines, David? If the truth is most of the Philistines hated you, what if... Your buddy had talked them into just letting you go along, but we'll watch carefully. I mean, how would that feel that you're risking your life for these people? We need to live our lives in such a way that we understand belonging somewhere where we really don't belong, we've got to do whatever we can to be extracted from that delusion. And the truth is, Wherever you've been, you work for a company, you think they're one thing, you find out they're another, thank God that you found out that you weren't just continuing to be sucked along. Anything that it's cost you from being delusional about them before, God has mercifully rescued you in a way that costs you enough that you'll remember this lesson for sure. You're listening to The Balanced Word with our pastor and Bible teacher, Dave Roth. And stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave. We'll have that for you in just a moment. If you're enjoying this present series called Kingdom Builders, you'll be pleased to hear it's our support offer right now. We'll send you the entire series on a USB flash drive for a gift of $50 or more to The Balanced Word. And please remember it's your gifts that help us continue the ministry on this station. Just call us right now and request Kingdom Builders. We're here to serve you at 949-362. 7475. That's 949-362-7475. You can also make a donation and resource request online at thebalancedword.com. I should also mention you can hear today's program again at thebalancedword.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list so you can have them delivered to you each day. You can also watch them on Instagram or Facebook by following C.C. Pacific Hills. There's another lesson we gleaned from 1 Samuel 29. Here's Pastor Dave to point that out briefly. Now, there's something else that comes into play here. When you're talking about all these princes of the Philistines and stuff, it points out a good principle. And that is, anyone who rejects you, where you thought you belonged, but then you don't, it almost always has to do with power and bureaucracy, and organization, and a corporate mentality. 
That's the way it always is. See, because that's the way the world works. The way people find their own niche, they create it. They set things up and they use good principles of management and leadership in order to create a power structure where they know where they fit and they know where other people fit and now they know what to expect. But when you are rejected, it's because you don't fit with their personal agenda. And that's just the way it is. And that's why, you know, sometimes churches, as they become more structured, there's a lot more of a chance for someone to be rejected because you don't fit with our personal mission statement or you, don't, you aren't the type of person that we want in our church. Sorry, you don't fit here because we know what we want our church to look like, our business to look like, our family to look like. Everyone who excludes someone and rejects them is rejecting them because you don't serve my purpose. And that's one reason why the rescue is so important. But it's one reason why Jesus talked to the disciples and he goes, listen, here's the way the world does it. No judgment. But in my kingdom, here's how we do it. You want to be great in my kingdom? You learn to be the servant of all. Discovering balance, living through the word of God. You've been listening to The Balanced Word. Set aside another half hour to join us next time when we'll continue our series, Kingdom Builders, with Pastor Dave Roth. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel in Aliso Viejo. Wake up, my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up, my hands. And yeah.